welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by co-founder of both Sand and Sky and Bella Box, Sarah Hamilton. Sarah and her twin sister, Emily, are serial entrepreneurs. The pair worked on a commerce assignment together in high school, which their parents then turned into a fully-fledged business, and from there, their passion for startups was born. The year 2011 saw Sarah and Emily launch Bella Box, Australia's first subscription beauty box, and through their subsequent deep dive into the beauty industry, the pair realised that there were very few beauty brands really championing all that is unique about Australian beauty. Sand and Sky was born in April 2017, with the brand's now iconic Australian pink clay mask selling out 60,000 units within 12 weeks of its launch. The brand has become, for lack of better terminology, insta-famous. The mask itself is a true viral sensation, and Sarah and Emily have become champions of the A-beauty movement. This month sees that movement go one step further, with Sand and Sky joining forces with fellow Australian beauty brands Frank Body, whose founders you can hear from in episode five of this podcast, and Zoe Foster-Blake's go-to skincare to launch the A-Beauty Box, a curation of Australian skincare products celebrating simple, beautiful, effective Australian botanicals. I caught up with Sarah in Sand and Sky's Melbourne office to pick her brain on what it takes to make a brand go viral, how a brand new product can possibly accrue a wait list of 17,000 people, and just what happens when Aldi takes it upon themselves to create their own version of your bestseller. So Sarah, Mm -hmm. what was your first memory of beauty? My first memory of beauty, I'm going to hit you with two. I think my first was when mum gave Emily and I that three-step Clinique routine. Like yes, that was our first classic. And then I think around us there was a lot of really bad foundation. So that foundation that really cut around your chin and covered yes, your eyebrows. Dream that moose springs to yeah, mind. Exactly. <laughs> so I remember those two, one quite fondly and one more so in a scary fashion. So you mentioned Emily, who's your twin sister. Now, Mm -hmm. the two of you have launched several successful beauty businesses Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Growing up, did either of you have ambitions to work in beauty one day? No, really far from (laughs) it. We were sporty, almost tomboy-like. I was laughing the other day that our first bike for both of us was a BMX. We didn't (laughs) muck around with girls' bikes or... Flowers on baskets. Um, so, no, I think when we looked at Bellavox, we loved the idea that young professional women could get into beauty. We mm-hmm. were buying a lot of beauty products yeah. without much knowledge. So mm-hmm. we are spending a lot of money and we were not getting enough out of it. So more so it was like, this is, this is us. We need to be educated. So we need to go on this journey. So it was really more so the business side that brought us into beauty than the mm-hmm. other way around. So what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Uh, a detective when I was reading Nancy ah. Drew. Uh, and then I studied commerce and law, so always mm-hmm. more so on the business side. I think mm-hmm. Emily and I did a commerce project together in Year 10 that my parents then made into a business. Um, so didn't finish the law, a bit too dusty mm-hmm. books for me, and really moved into accounting but for fun companies because my first job was like a finance manager for an advertising agency. Uh-huh. Aha. Yeah. 
What was the project that your parents turned into a business? So we started a home builders magazine and it was looking out everywhere that people were building houses and then helping them find trades. And from mm-hmm. there they went on to buy properties and develop them, develop them and rent them out. Goodness. So your I parents know. have seen this and gone, oh, this has got <laughs> legs. <laughs> Well, when we had to do the project, I was like, I want you to test this idea that I've got out as part of your project. So it went from there. Well, now I have a feeling that this, that you, maybe you've answered my next question okay. because obviously I want to talk Sand and Sky, but mm. yourself and Emily also founded Bella Box, yeah. which is, you know, for the uninitiated, it is the country's most popular beauty subscription <laughs> box. So did you always have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit uh, 100%. So yeah. I think, uh, unfortunately, our dad passed away, but there was at one point where there was six of us and no one mm-hmm. was earning a salary. Uh-huh. So we grew up with business around us. Uh, we were always taught that to be a Collins Street worker was perhaps to be almost a warehouse worker, that you really had to right. make your own success. Mm-hmm. And that came from really working hard and finding your niche and, and going into business. So it was something we were never scared about. So you, did you picture you'd be working for yourselves? I think so, yeah. I think definitely my journey, as I said, was more so on the accounting but for fun companies. So I worked for quite mm-hmm. big media companies in London and New York. And so I could see that general manager, like that I would go on to do something in that space. I just didn't know the industry. Mm-hmm. And then it was Emily that came to me with the idea of Bellabox and said, let's just, let's do beauty. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, talk me through that process. How did the idea for Bellabox come about? So we definitely were inspired by Birchbox, which was the first one of its yeah. kind in the US. I was living in New York and Emily came over from Singapore and said, let's do this. This is awesome. This is what every young professional woman needs. Yeah. And this is actually a company in the US that's run by two women that have no idea about beauty. Mm-hmm. And so from there, we just went into the planning stage. We had to hire brand managers that knew how to pronounce all the brand names, which we weren't so good at. (laughs) And Emily designed the website and we just literally went from there and then I moved back to Australia to launch. Was it difficult convincing brands to get involved? Because as you mentioned, Birchbox existed, but in Australia this was really, this was it. Really new and very hard. I think I sat in a meeting with quite a large beauty company mm-hmm. in Sydney and I saw a 21-year-old who was texting on her phone while I was trying to present. So the whole oh the beauty box concept, it was quite funny from a consumer point of view, was really like get, getting a lot of leaks, getting a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. But from a brand point of view, they were like, "What? You know, what's the point? Why would I right. target beauty customers and get my product in front of them once a month? And so the, you just the, had yeah, to keep going, yeah, we had I to guess. Keep going. And then I th- think the interesting thing is that now with Sand and Sky, we've sampled over 2.5 million samples globally. Good God. Mm. So we believe, so it's been so nice because yeah. we learned the power of the concept and yes. now to be able to apply it to our own brand and it's totally been integral to the success mm-hmm. of Sand and Sky. So you were running Bella Box very successfully, mm-hmm. I might add, and then you do decide to launch Sand and Sky. So why another beauty business and where did the idea come from so we all i was i'm still very interested in china so we always wanted Mm -hmm. to do an australian botanical brand yeah Uh, i think growing up for us in the bush outdoors we just love australia and we know how much Mm. australia has to give so this idea was always seated around what is unique about australia Mm -hmm. and how can we you know sell it to the world and firstly the focus was china and then when i started working Emily and I and then her husband as well we were like no we need to push this to the US 
and UK first, more so English-speaking countries. Right. Uh, and so I worked part-time as the CEO of, Be- of Bellabox and then doing this new venture, Sand and Sky, mm-hmm. on the side and then transitioned fully over yeah, after about six months. Goodness me. So why a mask, really? So at the time, we trialled three different products that we wanted to launch with. Mm -hmm. We wanted a product that was multi-purpose, that looked good and had instant results. And the mask was just, it it just killed the other two really quickly. And it was even, you know, funny working with our manufacturers because we were just like, no, it needs to dry faster. It needs to do more. We need brighter skin. Everything needs to change Mm -hmm. as soon as you spend 10 minutes with this product. And so... Our impatience combined with really <laughs> wanting to show off. There's cool. almost no better motivator, is there? Exactly. You're like, if I'm going to wear this pink mask on my face for 10 minutes, I better wipe this thing off and feel like it looks amazing. So I think that that's why the mm-hmm. mask. And I think for us, very fortuitously, it was launched just when the black mask was really big right. and you know it's quite hard on your skin yes and not quite as instagrammable as no, well which we will no. get to yeah, exactly <laughs> and so the pink really stood out and again mm-hmm. those instant results without it was almost like you could wear the mask and you can wear the mask and then put mascara on and go out like yeah. a serum or something like that on top so that instant result mm-hmm. made a big difference now i mean you talk about kind of working with three products initially mm. you'd launched a business before so mm. i imagine and correct me if i'm wrong yeah. i imagine you had an idea of the steps that one needs to take to launch a business but mm-hmm. launching a physical product very very different to do this so how did yeah. you go about finding a chemist working mm. out the formula even just choosing the name how did you start ticking those things off it was interesting in terms of the formula. Uh, Sam Taylor, who we'd worked with at Bellavox, who helped us secure brands, mm-hmm. was the person that had the most knowledge. So we went to her with an idea and then she went to manufacturers and said, this is kind of what I'm after. Yeah. Uh, and then we just started building on the formula from there. So I think it almost helped that we'd never produced a beauty product before mm-hmm. because our expectation is as I said, all of those benefits. Yeah. And we wanted all of the ingredients to be from Australia, which wasn't typical for Australian beauty brands. Not at all. Really strange. In fact, it's still rare. It's still very rare. And it's it's hard to make happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think from that we then just built up, okay, well, we want to sell it in Europe. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well, we need to do compliance. So everything was just a new learning that we then saw as a challenge and we worked out a way to be able to overcome it and Mm -hmm. we did that with quite a small team. So it wasn't really having all those specialists on board, it's more so tackling compliance through the eye of, okay, now we need to do this and this is the next step and, and, you know, this is what a retailer wants to see. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was very much just a step-by-step process. Trial and error. And what about the name? Where did that come from? The name, we, this was our second name. Ah. So there was a name that we deemed to be better. Yeah. And we also work with one of our brothers who was our creative director mm-hmm. at the time. So he sort of – and we worked with a really great branding agency in Melbourne called Swear Words. Yeah. So we all worked together and we came up with three names and we just couldn't get the .com of the name that we wanted. Oh. And I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> too but – of course, as it's transpired, Sand and Sky is just the perfect name. Yeah, you can't brand. imagine it as anything else. Exactly. And then Emily really loves, there's a German DJ that has a song, Sky and Sand. Uh-huh. So for her, that's how that, that this name was introduced into the mix as well. How all good decisions should be made yeah. based <laughs> on a playlist. 
<laughs> yeah, the DJ that you saw when you were 18. Very important. <laughs> so how long did that process take from coming up with the idea, from the, you know, conceptualising it through to it being available for customers? I feel like a year and a half, but that was definitely a part-time endeavour for all of us involved. Because you had Bella Box yeah, at the exactly, same time. Yeah. <laughs> a small undertaking. Exactly. So, uh, yes. So it happened relatively quickly. We've now found out. <laughs> the formulation side of things is of particular interest to me yeah. and I imagine that that would be the chunk of the to-do list that probably took up mm-hmm. the most time. Yeah. You've talked about how important it was to you to have natural Australian ingredients mm-hmm. in there, but how did you go about choosing the ingredients and also why pink clay? Why pink clay? So pink clay we saw definitely because it how it drawed out the impurities mm-hmm. and what our assumption, contention and what we've been able to prove is because Australia has really pure ingredient, ingredients, excuse me, we feel like they're much more effective. Yeah. So I think because I think there's French pink clay and everyone says what's the difference between the two and yeah. I, think I think it's totally the environment. Then in addition, all the other ingredients that are in there are in there at a level that makes sure that they're effective. So mm-hmm. we're like, we want it to be soothing, we want it to be brightening. So everything, the kakadu plum, the old man's weed, everything about it had to do something. Right. You know, and we learnt about story ingredients, ingredients that look good on a list and do absolutely nothing. Ah, yes. Which was new. I'm growing increasingly familiar <laughs> with those. <laughs> so again, for us with the formula and even with the products that we've got in development now, it's like, okay, well, we want ingredients that do this. We mm-hmm. want ingredients to do that. So it's almost taking a layman's attitude, like why would we put that in there? And then we yes. you know, we insist that our formulators show us why, tell us why and show us what results they get mm-hmm. from those ingredients. Well, that's my next question yeah. because for anyone that has seen, and I mean who hasn't at this point, it is truly like a viral mm. sensation, the results are extraordinary and they are instantaneous. So yeah. how... Does it work? <laughs> it's, <laughs> What's the secret in going? Yeah. It's funny. If you look at, you know, any pink clay mask or clay mask worldwide, I think the top ingredient is typically water. Ours yes. is clay. Ah. So we've pretty broken much machines. Yeah. yeah, we've broken oh machines. My <laughs> and again, when we were formulating, we kept going back saying, we want more clay, we want more clay, we want more pink clay in here. Mm-hmm. And that drying effect and then the immediate sort of pull of the impurities mm-hmm. and it helps with the refining of pores because you're drawing everything out of your skin yeah and so and then again the kakadu plum helps with the brightening of the skin mm-hmm. so it's really yeah, one of the number one benefits is the sheer amount of pink clay that's in that mask yeah. but then all the other ingredients are in there to soothe your skin and help brighten your skin refine pores you know there's vitamin a in there that also helps mm. with pigmentation See, I, I'm so used to water just being listed first. Yeah. I wasn't aware of how concentrated it is. I know. They thought we were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hence and the I broken think, look, machines. And sometimes, you know, it's definitely, it has to be stored well mm-hmm. because the clay, you know, there is so much clay in there to make sure mm. that it doesn't dry out. We have talked a bit on this podcast in the past yeah. um, about, you know, it's a risk when a brand launches with just the one product because you know, I guess the advantage is you launch with one product and you can then dominate an entire category and become known for that. But then on the flip side, if that product fails, that's your business and, you know, that's a huge thing to come back from. So what did you find to be the advantages and the disadvantages of launching with just the one product instead of a story? 
I think the advantage is definitely the ability to focus. Mm-hmm. So our big push was like, okay, we need to get this out there. We weren't concerned about other products. Yeah. Um, I suppose the disadvantage is, okay, we need more products. And I think yeah. when we launched, we just didn't even really think about that. And really, which is just embarrassing now, really it probably took us seven months before we had three seconds to be able to think about what's what's next for us. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think that's... People want to see a range and people ask us time and time again, oh, I want a moisturiser, I want a serum, I want all of these products mm-hmm. because they love what we've been able to do. So then the next they challenge what is... Else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe if we were more organised and <laughs> backed by someone amazing, we would have said we need everything there. Yeah. But again, that sheer focus just helped us launch the product and we mm-hmm. had nothing... that Even in other markets that we were like, oh, this is doing well, we're just like, no, it's all about the mask. Even from a... PR point of view, they're mm. like, what have you got? We're like, we, this is our product. This yeah. is what we need you to talk about. What was the biggest challenge? Uh, keeping in stock. Ah, yeah. Talk to me about yeah. that because, <laughs> yeah, the the rate at which it sells out is yeah. crazy. I distinctly remember we were in Singapore and we flew back and it's like a six-hour flight and we'd made 100 sales the day before and we were only quite young oh and we were really excited and then we'd tripled that within the first few hours of the day by the time we got off the plane and you know no wi-fi to check and just what? from there and then stephanie uh who's one of our co-founders as well i was texting her and i knew it was like really early saturday morning but i'm like oh my god what are we gonna do and SOS. so yeah so we sold out sixty thousand units in like <gasps> eight to 12 weeks or something crazy Oh, my God. And it just built. But really, it was driven by the customers. So mm. as much as we were running around trying to talk about the product, they were talking about it as well and talking about it on social media, which made a big impact for us. How did you deal with that level and rate of growth? So we had a really good manufacturer mm-hmm. uh, and we were just talking every day, like, this is what we need. Okay, we need to order more jars, you know, we need yeah. brushes, we need leaflets, boxes. And then we brought on a second manufacturer as well because we mm-hmm. just couldn't keep up with the volume. So really it was just a massive hustle yeah. to get through. It's and our PR agency loved the sell, you know, sold out story, but we were devastated. <laughs> I mean, it's the first thing that comes up, really, when you type it into Google. It's a good PR. Well done. They did very well for us. Very happy with that. Now, Sand & Sky is a digital native brand, Mm. which with beauty can be a bit of a risk because often customers do want something tactile Mm -hmm. that they can, you know, pick up off a shelf and they can touch it, feel the texture, have a little bit of a play with it before they commit to the purchase. So how did you ensure that upon launch you could really cut through all of the digital noise because it is a very saturated place for a product to live. Yeah, it's funny because definitely we launched April 17. Yeah. Like, and at that time there were a lot of Insta-famous brands that were then coming out of China. So yes. we had a lot of people saying, this is fake, you know, and who knows why. Oh. <laughs> people will just, I mean... <laughs> yeah, so we were... And we were new to that. It's sort of like, okay, so... We, our old office is on the corner of Flinders Lane and Elizabeth Street and they're like, you're not in Australia. And so we took a photo of a tram going past and we're like, this is the office. You know? I mean, it sounds like you're being held hostage. <laughs> a good day, that day is newspaper. Here exactly. Please save us from our office <laughs> in Australia. Um, 
And with that one photo, then we had people going, no, I've received the product and it's amazing. And so it was more the customers that were helping us out mm-hmm. to get the message. No, I've tried it and it's great. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried. Uh, and again, we were quite shocked that it, there might be this worry. But we started looking at retail partners when we launched. Mm-hmm. And so by July 17, we were in Harvey Nichols. Yes. And so we definitely saw that once we had that retailer, then even though we're, you know, we are digitally native, mm-hmm. that helped people. And people do want to touch and feel. So it's yeah. definitely been an important part of our omni-channel strategy to push into retail mm-hmm. because we know that. Yeah. But it still hasn't stopped. I think, you know, 70% of our business now is still direct-to-consumer. So it hasn't stopped that. It's only helped it, but it allows people to buy other products when they're shopping as well. Right. Right. Aside from customers, kind, I mean, I guess jumping to the defense of the brand, yeah. saying, no, 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 it works, trust me. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about social media mm-hmm. because it really is, I keep using the word viral, but that is, that's all I can come up with to describe it because yeah. that is how quickly it just took over the net. How long did it take you to gain that traction mm-hmm. and how did you go about doing so? So it would have been, and I should go back and look at exactly the day's sales. I feel like it was six weeks to two months. It was really quickly. And I distinctly remember, you know, and it was being picked up without us knowing what was going on, how Mm -hmm. many people were getting the products. So BuzzFeed have this group of girls called Ladylike. Yes. Yes. So they're really good fun. So I was on a call and all of a sudden I can see the traffic on the site going crazy and yep. I'm like trying to find where it's coming from and it's coming, these girls have done this, like what's all this hype about this Australian pink clay mask? And it just, it went nuts. And and so wow. then it was like, and then the Daily Mail in the UK picked it up. Like we just couldn't keep track of where all the traffic was coming from. So and I think we were making, compel- we were working with great influencers. I was going to ask, were yeah. you seeding it out to them as well? We were, but not you know not the kim kardashians of the world we yeah. were more so we really loved makeup tutorials so yes. we went to amazing girls that have like a thousand followers but yeah it's crazy makeup and we just said oh can you put the mask on before you do makeup yeah which is probably you shouldn't let your skin breathe a little bit after the mask before putting makeup on uh, but they did it and that went really viral because it's a super engaged audience so mm. we just tried to work out how to get it in and around social media and that's yeah. where it kept being picked up i think from memory that was the first encounter i okay. had it was those videos where it was the, the ones where they speed it up and they have it like yeah. a one minute instagram cut and yeah. they do the thing and then yeah do, 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 and then yeah because yeah. even th- really simple things like the brush yes the brush for us was you know maybe it was four weeks before launch or something stupid mm-hmm. we were like Oh, it's so you know it's really dirty it's hard to work with oh maybe we should just use a brush mm-hmm. so now the brush has been copied i don't know how many times <laughs> but um yeah we were just like something really simple because it's like how do i use it and again not coming from a product development background we were yeah. like clay is really annoying when it gets underneath your fingernails mm-hmm. and then of course on instagram the brush looks great it does yeah so it that's does. like all these little things <laughs> that you're like wow that really worked out well and without exactly planning for it so beyond the, I mean, the first lot of influencers that you seeded yeah. it out to with a thousand or so followers, mm. you've since had just some, you know, little names like Jeffree Star and yeah. Huda Beauty <laughs> share their experiences mm. with the mask, which is 
unbelievable. Yeah. What does an endorsement like that do for a brand? It's really massive. And again, we didn't seek it out. We didn't send them product. It just came up wow. on our feet. Yeah, we were really like, oh wow. my God, yeah. And that's why we had so many moments like that where, and I, oh Jeffree Star, he said, everyone was saying to him, you have to try this mask. So that's God. why he did. I mean, how good that <laughs> A, he sorted out on his own and B, yes. that he is clearly actually reading the yeah. comments. There you go. So good. Yeah, it is really good. So that definitely is powerful, but it just really, you know, our reviews on Trustpilot are amazing, on productreview.com.au are amazing. So when people would search for us, mm-hmm. there was lots of, and there is lots of great touch points that then means that sort of track to purchase is quite easy. Right. Now, given that the brand did take off online so quickly, online, as I've mentioned, it's so heavily saturated and you've talked about that, you know, you've had copycats. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but it also can be super detrimental to a brand. So what do you think it is about your mask Mm -hmm. that sets it apart from the rest of the pack? It's definitely the best one on the market. Yeah. Uh, but also, again, when we launched, there wasn't a lot of brand stories behind these Insta-famous mm-hmm. brands. So we talk about the brand. We talk about what inspires us. When you go to the website, you see a map of Australia. You can see where all the ingredients are from. Mm-hmm. We're really about engaging with the customer authentically. Yes. So when Aldi in the UK brings out a copy of our mask and when you of read... I know, they I know. Did. And when you, you read... The, and the exfoliator as well, and you read the ingredients, it's just like... Now I know I wouldn't want to put that on my face. So yeah. we're always going to have a subset of customers that then say, actually, I'll give that a try. But really it's about saying, well, if that's where you want to get your skincare from, mm. we can just keep telling you what our brand means and where our ingredients are from yeah. and we know that that will lead you back. So, it's yeah, we don't see a lot of cannibalisation. I think mm-hmm. we just see when they launch and we're always a bit like, oh, my gosh. And and more but so just up personally upset. Like it's just yeah. like, wow, just do something else. <laughs> so, yeah, for us it's about how do you just keep moving forward with what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so far that's working for us. I mean, classic Aldi. Did you see, I feel like this only popped up recently, but maybe it's an old story. Yeah. They did the Aldi version of the... Um, La Prairie Caviar Ranch. My God. Yeah. I think so when they launched the Sand and Sky copy, it went with Pixie Glow Tonic, Glam Glow and Sand and Sky. What did, do you know what they named it off the top of your head? Because that to me is always the it's, funniest. Yeah, part. I know. It's under their look cura brand. Of I can't course. think what it is called. But it's even it's not even Australian Pink Light. It's something else. And it's obviously not even made in Australia. You can't even yeah. see where it's made. So uh, it is kind. Of, it was amazing, and um, Mum was very militant in saying that she's never going to go to Aldi again, or she was going to go to the one in Geelong and tell them what she thought of them. Oh my god! <laughs> or say it could be my daughter's mask. I love it. I love that. And this poor person on the counter is <laughs> exactly. like, I don't, I don't develop the product. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so following the success of the mask, you've since launched a second product, mm-hmm. which is the Flash Perfection Exfoliating Treatment. Mm-hmm. That had a wait list something to the tune of 12,000 people prior yeah. to its launch. What led you to develop a second product? So we're desperately trying to develop more products. We have a lot that yeah. are nearly ready. Um, oh, that's but again, we want, as we said, the customers keep asking for more from us. Mm-hmm. So it was how we then 
build this brand, how we bring in other products. Mm -hmm. And the exfoliator was the one that when we polled our customers, that was the one that was top rated. That's Mm -hmm. what they wanted. And so we went about doing that. But it was almost, we're now doing things in parallel as opposed to step by step. Yeah. And so I think the waiting list got to 17,000, which was crazy. Yeah, and we did a great press trip to the UK. The UK was definitely the first market to push us into Mm -hmm. retail. Um, so no, it's done really well. It's a really good compliment to the mask. Yeah. And it's even quite funny because there's macadamia in there and a little bit of walnut. And so now that Kylie has mm. bought out her walnut. Oh, of course. I know. I was just comparing ingredients before this. Oh. I'm kind of happy. Ah, I was going to say, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, mm. that's of interest yeah, to me. Yeah. I, I mean. It's all sold out. So I think what? it only launched a few hours ago and then it sold out. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's so interesting. Well, I've... I mean, you can relate because how does a product... I understand waiting for a product that, like, you've read an amazing review on, but how do you get a wait list of 17,000 people when they haven't even read a review? Where do these Mm -hmm. people come from? We provided a lot of hints about the product right because we have a really engaged database we were just saying this is it this is our next product Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of brand love which is really humbling yeah so i think with that they were like okay and then we needed to create a wait list because we're like how much product can we launch with Mm -hmm. we're trying to launch with more and more and we had commitments to retailers as well and so we were just able to build that up without too much work which is really nice that's amazing yeah given that the period between conceptualization and launch of the mask was about 18 months how long did it take for the second product that was probably about nine months in the end right yeah because i guess you don't have to come up with a name and packaging (laughs) find a factory (laughs) yes and we even used an independent formulator for that one Ah. going down that route yeah so you've mentioned Harvey Nichols, the brand yep. since being picked up by them in the UK yep. and also online Sephora in the US, mm-hmm. which is exciting, yep. which suggests to me that the rest of the world is really embracing this, you know, A-beauty movement mm. and they're getting around Australian skincare. Talk to me about the A-beauty movement because mm-hmm. I know it's something you're super passionate about. Yeah. What is it about homegrown products that are appealing to the rest of the world? Yeah. So I think when we first looked at A-Beauty and it was with Mm -hmm. one of our PR agencies, we were like, there's this movement to Australian fashion, Australian influences, Australian design. Mm -hmm. And we looked at other Australian brands and we thought, you know, even our packaging has a lot of imagery from Australia on it. We were like, we want to talk about this. So what does it mean? And it means to us that lifestyle, so less time in the bathroom and more time outside. Mm-hmm. So really effective products where you understand what the ingredients are and why they're good for you. Like this relaxed, fun lifestyle. As I said, we sort yeah. of grew up outside, sort of tomboyish in the bush. It was like so little time to put on a massive face of makeup, mm-hmm. more about skincare. So I think for us, again, that A Beauty was about, yeah, sort of fuss free, really good quality products and something that can show off all that unique flora and fauna that Australia has. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, when you're away and I always think the Australian accents like this really bogan accent. Yes, that's how I feel every time I <laughs> listen back to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I will feel exactly the same. Um, and then when you travel and people just think you're the most attractive thing in the world because mm. you've got this crocodile Dundee type The accent. best feeling. Exactly. So 
bringing that. So we were like, ABD is the beach, it's the bush, it's outdoor. So it's almost mm-hmm. like thinking about too how other people view it and then trying to bring it to life through a brand. I love that. Now, as the mastermind behind a few beauty businesses, mm-hmm. you've been tapped into the beauty industry for quite some mm-hmm. time. What are the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty space over the last few years? Ooh, very good question. I think the transparency of ingredients is something that I really love. Yes. Uh, the shunning of the really, oh, it's a bit unfair, big brands, but mm-hmm. more so people love the indie beauty brands. I was about scene. to say there is no better time to be like a niche company. Yeah, and people buy into the brand. They want to know about you. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been really powerful and a, and a good change in beauty. We love the glossiers of the world, so democratisation of beauty. I mean, that's yeah. when we look at direct-to-consumer, you're like, you're the superstar. So yes. we love that. Like, anything that they do, we're all – everyone in the office is looking mm-hmm. at what they do. So I suppose they're the three main areas that I kind of love, that it becomes accessible. I think yes. when we first launched Bella Box, we used to say that you'd go to a department store and you'd go to a counter and – They'd do a face that you'd never worn before and then you'd buy $500 worth of product and then go, whoa, is this me? Like, mm-hmm. is that – yeah, so, we, again, we like with Santa's Guide that we're trying to bring that into people's lives. So it's like you can – everyone's beautiful in their own way. They don't need to be a set. Yes. Yeah, set yeah. way. I love that. I live <laughs> by that. With that in mind, what changes do you think we can see within the beauty industry over the next couple of years? Ooh, uh, Look into your beauty crystal ball. Yeah, I know. I think definitely the rise of direct-to-consumer brands. I think what mm-hmm. we're seeing with retail is the change in display. So, again, yeah. showing off those beauty brands. I think more and more focus on ingredients can't – it just can't go away. People want to know. Yeah. I think the customization piece is really interesting. So, customising mm-hmm. skincare, hair care is already there. Yes. So, I feel like that will only get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think social sharing is really good. I think we live in a world now and it's only becoming more apparent that you can't fake reviews, even no, though some try. You absolutely <laughs> cannot. I saw one the other day where it was about a pressed powder and it, no, sorry, a loose powder, and it still had that plastic bit right. over the top. Nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that. Have more strong more. feelings. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you haven't tried that. Mm. So I think more, and even influencers, it's more so about organic reach than paid right now. So yeah. people have to love your product. And if they love your product, then you can be successful. Given that rise that you mentioned of sort of direct-to-consumer mm. brands, what would your advice be to anyone who is thinking of taking that leap into whether it's self-employment or yeah. product development or something within that space? I think you still have to try and find a niche. I think we launched the mask when there were a lot of masks around, but again, mm-hmm. we no one had talked about Australian pink clay before, so we found that to be enough of a gap yeah. in order to launch. Uh, I think any launch has to be multi-pronged. As you said, it has to be a really great product. People have to love it. You mm-hmm. have to be able to you know, reach out to customers. So I think managing your I suppose campaign planning how you're going to get it out there and get it out there quickly Mm -hmm. it's sort of sad isn't it that people come to an Instagram page and if it's less than 2,000 likes they're like "Mm, no not for me so it's like how you cut through that yeah Yeah. you cut through that I think is really important we're recording this in May which marks Sand and Sky's second birthday (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) given how much we've seen 
the brand grow in that time mm. and really dominate the masking category and now yeah. obviously moving into the, you know, yeah. exfoliant. It's only two years. It's crazy. My final question for you is what's next for Sand and Sky? It's definitely a lot more products. We feel like... I can't believe it's two years. I wish we'd launched more. <laughs> yeah, this is a massive year for us in terms of new products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done the team's done a great job at planning out. I think our next two years. Ah. So definitely delving deeper into skincare, a mm-hmm. few different surprises, but continuing to show off Australian ingredients. That was Sarah Hamilton, co-founder of Sand and Sky, which you can find on Instagram at Sand and Sky. To read my interview with Sarah, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. Oh,